Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. You are listening to the Satellite Sisters. It's Tuesday, October 8th, and we are so happy to be here with you. I'm Leanne Dolan in my closet in Pasadena, California. And Julie Dolan, you're in your closet in Dallas, Texas. And I win. My closet's bigger than yours. Because <laughs> now you've been to both, right, Leanne? You've been you last weekend. Last week you were in my closet, and so well, there you have it, Leanne. I just, I guess, I was really shocked that you actually sit on the floor. I thought by now you would have at least gotten a, like a footstool in there or something. I'm very comfortable, Leanne. I have a little system. It seems to be working fine for me. I, it's not set up for visitors. Right. I, I, I tried to accommodate you, but I don't need any backlash, okay? Fine, fine. No backlash. All right, we have a rich, full show for you today. Happy to be doing Satellite Sisters two days a week. If you haven't subscribed already on iTunes or at Stitcher Radio, please do. Uh, that way you won't miss a minute. And let your friends know. That's excellent, too. <laughs> if you want to repost on Facebook or mention us on Twitter, we would love to, uh, as they say in the business, grow our audience. Um, yes, and thank you for all the positive feedback about whether or not you wanted to hear us twice a week. I know, so right? We appreciate that. It's good for us, isn't it, Julie? I know. Makes us feel really wanted. So we appreciate it. We love it if you spread the word. Uh, later on in the show, we're also um, we're also angling to win an award this year, and I'll explain later on in the show. So hang on for that. We have a big show. Julie is back by request, an international news roundup. We're going to hear about that. Um, we have picks and pans this week. And uh, also, I'm happy to announce something new in my life. And I'm going to a summit, and uh, I, I'm this week's summiteer in the Dolan family. So it's a big Satellite Sister show, so sit back and enjoy yourself. I know I know that's what we're planning to do. Well, Julie's not enjoying herself because she's sitting on the floor of her closet. But Julie, uh, I wish we had your International News Roundup music, but we don't because I can't figure out how to do that. So... But I thought, Leanne, we were, you were going to start off by telling us about New Orleans. Oh, that's right. Oh, my gosh. I totally forgot. Totally. Thank you. Um, right. I missed Saturday's show because I was in recovery from the last big trip of my Elizabeth the First Wife book tour. And uh, it included a stop in Dallas. And then I was going to New Orleans, flying there on a last Tuesday morning. It seems like a lifetime ago. Flying over there Tuesday morning. I was renting a car going to drive into New Orleans. Uh, off St. Charles is the New Orleans headquarters of the Junior League. I was doing a lunchtime presentation there. Then I was going to get in my rental car, drive to Baton Rouge, and do an evening presentation there for 400 women at the Baton Rouge Junior League. So it was going to be a long, full day, but I was psyched because, A, I love that part of the country, and, B, I love that part of the country. So uh, so I, I left Dallas. You know, Julie had full concierge services at, at your house, Jewel. You checked me in. You, we, I was at the right gate in Dallas. Things went smoothly. And then things started to go slightly south the minute I was waiting at the gate. Have you ever had, and I'm sure you have because you fly so much, the crew not show up, Julie? Oh, for goodness sakes. So isn't that really? They yeah. didn't show up? Did yeah. they sleep? And, or? Yeah. And, you, and, you know, I was on high alert because this was, um, I don't want to say split second timing, everything I had planned for the day, but I didn't have a lot of time to give. Like for me to get to New Orleans and pick up a rental car, I was just going to make it to my 11 o'clock speaking gig. And so the the clue the crew was late and i heard them you know the gate agent say oh the crew's late and then i'm like panic a pan Whoa. you know panicking i'm frantic searching for and the you're crew. probably panting too yeah. Leah. <laughs> <laughs> i am well i so 
And then the crew shows up and they've clearly like stopped for breakfast somewhere in the terminal, which annoyed me. But all right, we're, you know, they build so much extra time into these schedules these days because they know the crew's going to be late that I feel like we're still, you know, taking off only about 10 or 15 minutes late. I still have almost an hour to get my rental car and get into, get into New Orleans. I arrive in the New Orleans. That's a little tight. It's a little tight, but here's what I did, Julie. Beforehand, uh, I joined the Hertz Gold Gold Club. All right, I had I had right. I had some status uh, on American Airlines. Finally, I've clawed my way back to Gold Advantage status. (laughs) Thanks to all those funerals last year, I've really racked up quite a few miles. So I clawed my way back, and as a result, I was offered this Gold Club, and I thought, great, that's where you just sign up and you go right to the car. You bypass the counter, which is the slow part of uh, rental cars. And New Orleans, they're in the midst of what appears to be a very large renovation of their airport, but they're like halfway done. So, <laughs> so. as you like many things in New Orleans, it's sort of halfway done. Right. Yes, ever since Katrina. Exactly. <laughs> right. So their intent is to make it spectacular and they're halfway there. But as a result, like it's quite a schlep to the rental car place and and but I'm hurt, so I gotta take go up three levels. Now, unusual, I have the two bags, right? Because I, I brought a lot of goodie bags to Julie's house. So I have my wheelie bag, but I also have another big suitcase. And I had the karaoke machine right. that you brought. I had to Right. I had to transport a twenty nine ninety five karaoke machine to use as our sound system at Julie's house. So I'm schlepping that in a separate bag, but it was totally worth it because uh Julie gave me a leather jacket. So <laughs> but it did make for a lot of bags and I have to go up like two flights of stairs and I go out. I'm like, great. It's, it's just like 10 after 10. I still have 50 minutes. No problem. And of course my name's not on the board, Joel. You know it. Oh, that's so, it's really such a letdown. Isn't it, it? it was I mean, a letdown. You're not, you're not a member of the club. No. You're not gold status. No. Go back to go. Really? I mean, yeah. you are a nobody. You're in, you're in limbo land. Lately. I am. And I'm in limbo land on the third level of the parking garage. And I have to schlep my giant bags back down to level one, apparently where I belong. And uh, where Hertz tells me, oh, we don't have any cars. Yeah, no, we're, we're out of cars. It's going to be at least an hour for a car. So. Uh, that possible, Leanne? They're a car rental place. They don't have any cars. No. I, how is that possible? I guess people were enjoying themselves just a little too much in New Orleans <laughs> after Monday night football. Because that's why I didn't fly in Monday night. There were no hotel rooms because of Monday night football the Saints were on. So they people did not get their cars back to the rental car agency in time. So I'm trolling now. I find some a car at Avis. I'm signed up. Good to go. I'm going to get the GPS, which I usually don't get. But uh, it is helpful, and I really don't know where I'm going, either in New Orleans or in Baton Rouge. But it takes so long for them to find a working GPS. Now I'm frantic. You know, now I have, like, 20 minutes to get into New Orleans to be on time. I've been with you when you're frantically and it's not good. You know, we're just not built. First of all, we're not built to be late as a family. (laughs) Like I, you know, I could be 20 minutes late to a movie. That means nothing. And I'd still go nuts. You know, it would still make me crazy. (laughs) And I know this is like a lunchtime brown bag speech. So women are coming from work. Like they're not, they're not going to be there for hours and hours. So I, I email my contact or I text her. I'm like, here, here's the deal. I'll be there. I could be a few minutes late. And then, Julie, here's what I do that's foolish. I get in the car, and instead of taking, like, the 12 seconds it would have taken to set up the GPS, don't I, ju- I don't do it. Oh. Like, I don't have time. I'll just read the directions off the phone, which I've, I've got. Uh, but the turn by turn would have been better. (laughs) I start off and apparently, even though I haven't hooked up the GPS, it's still talking to me, Julie. Like I, (laughs) I, don't you love that? I hear it somewhere. I'm like, where is it? Where is it? It's like I've shoved it in the glove box, but it's still talking to me. And he's, he's telling me to go back to the airport. Like it just needs to start over again. I'm just, I'm going nuts. And I think I'm all good. And then, you know, I have a direction that says go south on Claiborne. And my two choices as I get into New Orleans are north, 
Yes. Or no, east and west. There's no south as a choice. And I'm like, oh, why didn't I hook up the GPS? So, of course, I pick wrong. And oh. I, I head down at Claiborne in, in the wrong direction. And I'm looking for Napoleon Street. And the names are familiar. And then they're not familiar. And then I'm clearly in a very sketch neighborhood. <laughs> <Very> yeah. sketch. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing when you make a wrong turn in New Orleans. It can really be a wrong turn. <laughs> it really can. <laughs> At least I know that. I know enough about New Orleans to know I got to get out of here. And yeah. so I see these, like, two guys on the street corner. And they have in their hands a map, Julie. <laughs> So I take out a $5 bill and I just start waving it. And I'm like, five bucks if you could tell me which way Napoleon Street is. Lynn, you were a desperate, crazy lady. I was. You and were. They were on it, though. Waving a $5 bill? Oh, Leah. <laughs> they were on it. They're like, turn around. It's ten. How far up? I wouldn't give them the money until they told me how far up. It was. I was quite a ways away. I was, had gone quite a ways in the wrong direction. Leanne, do you realize that the murder rate is, <laughs> is 10 times, 10 times the national average, okay? <laughs> it is the most danger, unfortunately and sadly, and it breaks my heart. It is, it is one of the, it is the most violent city in America by a lot. And there you are, crazy woman, waving a $5 bill. And I, then- had, I had to get out of there, Julie. That was my only, <laughs> that was my only option. <laughs> Meantime, the GPS is still talking to me, <laughs> sending me back to the airport. <laughs> hey, but these guys did it. They told me where it was, how many blocks up, and they earned their $5. And I got skedaddled out of that neighborhood as fast as I could. And I made it to the Junior League headquarters, which is right behind that Sacred Heart on St. Charles. Yes, yes. And uh, I conveniently parked in their parking lot, which I wasn't supposed to do. So with many thanks. <laughs> to least the... venial sample. <laughs> and um, and I, I walked in at like 10 after 11. And uh, there wasn't even a like, I, they were so nice. And they were, they were calm. Like I called, I said, I'm so sorry. I'm five minutes away. And she's like, don't worry. We're, they, were, they were not uptight, which really helped me. But I walked in and they're like, okay, go. Like I didn't, <laughs> just like walked in and got up on the stage. Uh, but it was 30 women. It was really fun to be there. Uh, got a chance to give them a little bit of my New Orleans history. And they asked a lot of questions. And then, of course, again, New Orleans being New Orleans, uh, we had a bookseller arranged to show up. But he was late, too. He had the time wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he made it ignatius riley bookseller like stumbled into the headquarters uh just as most of the women were leaving but um and then julie and then i got the mother load i got two fantastic junior league cookbooks so the new orleans cookbooks so fantastic They're the best i mean that river road cookbook that's put out by new orleans junior league is the best they're the most delicious recipes that is quite a gift, Liam. It was. And again, I have the giant extra suitcase with your leather jacket and the karaoke machine. I have plenty <laughs> of room for bugs. So now I have like two hours. I, I have three hours in between when I the the Baton Rouge speech. But it's about an hour and a half to Baton Rouge, people tell me. So uh, I decide, to, which is painful, I'm starving, but I think I better get on the road. And so even though I'm driving past like Pascal's Manal, I'm driving past that. I know they're good. Stop for a little oyster poor boy for the. I just, I didn't want to risk it. You know, it was too close to call. I knew there was going to be good food in Baton Rouge. So I get on, I get on the freeway. Uh, Again, poor signage in the city of New (laughs) New Orleans. I know they have other things to worry about, but I managed to get on the freeway, head to Baton Rouge. And, uh. And, you know, I'm an hour, I'm 10, 12 miles outside the city and I'm starving. So I decide to pull over and get a classic uh, New Orleans food. I get um, a Diet Coke and a bag of Zapp's potato chips, right? <laughs> that is, that is good living there. And that's, that's, it's the nice balance that I think you have going on there. The yin and the yang. Those are so good. And it was a good thing that I, I was going to get a healthy snack. And then I thought, what am I doing? I'm only in Louisiana for 24 hours. What damage could I do? Give me those salt and vinegar potato chips, please. And, um, and Julie, I am not in the car two more minutes before one of those torrential rainstorms starts. The thunder, the lightning, 
the rain so hard you cannot even see in front of you. And I apparently was leading the storm because the rain cloud was right over my car as I moved to Baton Rouge. And so for the last 10 miles of my trip, I was in like blinding rain. But my GPS just kept telling me, by now it's working. It's telling me, just keep going straight. Just keep going straight. And all I can think of is like, well, if this is it for me, at least I got those potato chips, you know? (laughs) It's like really grateful that I hadn't gotten a healthy snack. So that's. We would have said that at the funeral because I'm sure we would have found the empty bag of potato chips in the car, Leah. And we would have mentioned that. Yes, that at least my last meal was a good one. And I pull up to the hotel in downtown Baton Rouge. It's raining so hard. Like, I wave off the valet. There's no covered area. I'm like, you stay in the lobby. I'll just stay in the car. And I sat in the car, and uh, and I, I waited till the rain stopped. But the worst part was it was raining so hard, I couldn't hear the GPS. I was like, which way do I turn? And it was just uh, raining. And really, there's you probably didn't have any more $5 bills. I was to, out of bills. To get additional um, information about where you're going. so oh, But I made it and uh, I just, I took to my bed. I felt like Sheila, you know, I had to like, I had to just lie down for an hour because it had just been quite a day already and I still had to give a speech for 400 people. So, um, but you know what, it was such a fantastic dynamic group of women in Baton Rouge. They do so much good work there, the Junior League. And what impresses me about Junior Leagues, like they have this rap that they're just like, pearl-wearing, you know, uh, society ladies. But they're not that at all now. The new Junior League is very dynamic. It's very diverse. Uh, It was just an impressive group. I heard all about their slate of activities going on and the money they raised and the education they're doing. And then they're really committed. I was there actually to talk about, like, personal uh, development. So they were, you know, I was there for their professional development uh, piece of their agenda. Mm-hmm. So I gave a speech about finding your voice and sort of how I've done that over the last couple of years in particular since uh, since the end of the radio show, like starting the podcast and writing the book and just being more confident in, in my own voice. So fun. All right, small technical glitch there. I don't know, maybe it was uh, my GPS talking to me again. But anyway, <laughs> Jill, I did this speech on finding a voice. I got a standing ovation. I was really touched, actually. Very Great. touched. It's yeah. Great. And yep. then, And then guess what I got? Two more cookbooks, Julie. <laughs> Leanne, I, they're, they're excellent cookbooks. I, I hope that I, the same ones or different ones? No, no. The New Orleans has theirs, and then the Baton Rouge one, they are the ones that do the River Run one. And they, they told me on the slide that theirs is the best, the best. Like, okay. of all the Junior League cookbooks, they, they won some award, and now it's retired. Like, it's in the Junior League Hall of Fame. So I don't know. I have now four cookbooks uh, of from Louisiana Junior Leagues, but I really enjoyed it. I went out to dinner afterwards with um, some of the women on the executive board. A fantastic meal, as you would imagine. I'd never been to Baton Rouge, so that was fun to see. And the next day, I, I had a late flight, so I just wandered around LSU. Uh, I'd never been to Louisiana State University, which is beautiful. It's a beautiful campus, isn't it? Yeah. You know what? It was just so Southern with the live oaks and it's very mysterious and the air was heavy and the buildings were beautiful. I was really impressed by LSU. And then I arrived at the airport early to see if I could get on an earlier flight, but I couldn't. So that left me room for one more meal. (laughs) (laughs) That's the spirit, Liam. So it was a... what was the name of that place? Dookie something. It's a classic New Orleans Dookie Graves or something. It'll come to me afterwards. Anyway, I had a I had a roast beef poor boy, but they called it a rich boy because it was so rich. And um, and then I just exercised by hauling my giant suitcases around the airport for two hours to walk off my lawn. <laughs> so, all in all, a fantastic trip. And then I got home the very next day. I had two appearances. And unbelievably, one happened to be at the Pasadena Junior League and where I got, you guessed it, another cookbook. So I scored five Junior League cookbooks in three days in three cities in two states. <laughs> I, I think it might, might be a record, Leanne. And certainly some of those might be suitable for re-gifting yeah. uh, to your sisters. <laughs> I, think so- one, I think one is already earmarked and on its way to you, Joel. So, okay. uh yeah, so I'm, and I'm actually going to put a link to um, a Chaos Chronicles 
to some of the junior league cookbook sites if you're looking for good gifts. They are great gifts. So um, anyway, all in all, a fantastic, fantastic trip. And the good news is now I'm like officially wrapped up with my book tour. It's done. It's been a great six months. I really enjoyed being out on the road, meeting so many people, talking to so many women. It's been fantastic. And now I'm looking forward to like six to eight weeks of a lot of quiet at home with my family. Well, I think and the, uh, the key to this book tour, Leanne, for Elizabeth, the first wife, is that you really did reach out to a lot of satellite sisters. Uh, I know, it was great. <laughs> really, really helpful to your tour. <laughs> Maybe more so than some of your real sisters. Boy. <laughs> no, my real sisters were good. My brothers, I have one brother that I need, needs, you know, needs to throw me a party. But other than that, everyone else really showed up. But no, it was it was really a fantastic six months. I really enjoyed it. But yesterday I was at home. Uh, I barely um, combed my hair and I got in six hours of work on the new book. So that's exciting. It's exciting to move on to the next project. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to work on the next book when you're promoting one book. So uh, so I'm happy to be home. So your head is clear, you're ready to go, and I know your fans will be looking forward to yet another book from Leon Dolan. Thank you, Joel. While you were doing that, Leon, I've been scanning the globe, coming up with some good um, international stories. And I first of all want to give a big shout out to one of our Facebook friends at, at the Satellite Sisters, and that's Joan Vivian, who has recommended a book, which she, she asked if I read it, and I haven't. It's called Nothing to Envy, Ordinary Lives in North Korea. And I haven't read this book, but I am going to go get this book because, as many of longtime listeners know, that I made a trip to North Korea three years ago. And it just was a profound experience for me to go there to see such a sinister state where, you know, the poverty, um, the deprivation is almost indescribable. And yet, you know, as when you go there as a tourist, all you see is this make-believe land. They put on this big show, but it's so obvious that this is a you know a country and a government of incredible cruelty. So I'm looking forward to reading that book. But I was also in the news this week, and which is just so crazy, is that North Korea is opening land. Dun, 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 their first ski area. It's called the Masik Pass Ski Resort. And it's complete with ski runs and chalets and sleigh rides. So they have built, you know, in a country where, you know, the population doesn't have enough food to eat. There's no, you know, most of the country is dark because there's not any energy. They have um, the government, Kim Jong-un, the new uh, new head of the government, has built a lavish ski resort. And um, because he went to high school in Switzerland, so he's fond of skiing. So um, and in this news report out of it from NBC, they they estimate that there are fifty five hundred skiers in the country of North Korea. I don't believe that. I, I, I think there may be like three in the whole country because, I mean, skiing is not what people are doing there. They are looking for food and they're trying not to be shot or sent to a gulag. I mean, uh, so the idea that they have a lot of free time for recreation and that they would have any disposable income. I mean, I didn't really see cars in this country or there are, there are no buses. And um, Kim Jong-il, his father, had outlawed bicycles because he said they were too dangerous for the people of North Korea to ride, too dangerous to ride bicycles. Mainly it was a way to control people that right, if you didn't, right. if you didn't have a bicycle then the only way you could get around is walking so that kept you in a in a smaller area so but it is this sort of the cult of the um of the dictator it's very common in communist countries that whatever whatever is the sport of the dictator or of the leader that becomes the national sport so there you have, you know, uh, President Putin. He's really big in judo, okay? And he loves skiing. So now all of a sudden, those are really popular sports. And in tennis, Russia. right? Wasn't he also tennis? No, that was um, that was Yeltsin. Oh, was Yeltsin. Okay, Yeltsin. that's why there are all those Russian tennis players. Yes, yeah. Yeltsin loved tennis. And so that's why, you know, that became the big popular sport. Um, uh, Kim Jong-un's father, Kim Jong-il, liked bowling. That was his big thing. And so when we visited Pyongyang, we went to a bowling alley um, and they made a big deal about it. Of course, there was 
They, when we arrived in the dark, they had to turn the lights on at the bowling alley. There was no one else in the bowling alley. I mean, again, it was just all for show. So I, I suspect that will be the same with this ski area in North Korea. So, Apropos of nothing, I did notice a new nut ad, I think a pistachio ad. That's like trading on the de- – it's Dennis Rodman and a like fake Kim Jong-un. I know. It's awful. You know, it really is awful because, again, I think in the West, it's very easy for us to make jokes about how crazy th- these people are. But if you saw the misery in this con- country. Right. And it, it, I found it offensive. Yeah. I, so I don't like pistachios, but now I really don't like them. Okay. So, yeah, I, I've been meaning to write to the pistachio nut board, whoever puts that you ad. You should, Julie, you should. It's, it's, it is wrong. It is wrong. Oh, well, Lynn, on to Russia, because the other news story I want to bring to you is about the upcoming um, Olympics that are going to be in Sochi, Russia. You know, they had they have a great YouTube video out there if you if you have a chance to look at it. And it's a, a ceremony that President Putin was overseeing in Moscow with the Olympic flame. OK, you know, this is this is such a such a big deal. They go to Greece, they get some fire, <laughs> you know, the, the from Greece, from the ancient games, and they bring that to wherever the Olympic site is going to be. And they've planned a giant run around the country of Moscow. You know, it's going to be, I mean, the country of Russia, it's going to be this epic um, run and it's going to cover all the cities and they're going to go out to Siberia. But so they have the flame there at this opening ceremony with President Putin. And unfortunately, the flame died out at the Kremlin. Okay, but here's the good part. Because Putin always has like all these big, bodyguards around him, these like giant guys in black suits and stuff. I mean, they really, they make, you know, they're really kind of very frightening looking. Well, one of the bodyguards takes out his cigarette lighter and he relights the Olympic flame. Oh yeah, that's good. (laughs) That made me laugh. That made me laugh. But uh, they, uh, so uh, they just, they just kept it going, you know? And so that's, uh, that's the way the Russia is. So yeah. it's a metaphor for everything that's going to be wrong and right about these Olympic games. It's right. fraught with so many issues and yet someone will have a cigarette lighter and it will just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's it because it is a country of smokers, Leon. Yes, so that's uh, good news. That's all the bodyguards. They had lighters and he saw the flame was out. He just thought he was helping out there. So, so much for ceremony. Hey, on to Argentina. This is kind of a curious story. I don't know if you saw this in the paper, but Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, who is the president of Argentina, and you know, our sister Liz went to Argentina just about a year back. She is undergoing surgery for a brain hematoma. Wow. She, you know, this is, but the the circumstances of how she got sick or why she has to have this surgery is very, very curious that allegedly she had some kind of fall in August and, but didn't report it to anyone or it didn't come out in the media. But now it was, you know, serious enough in terms of the swelling that she, that she is, uh, she is undergoing surgery. Um, They classify this as fairly low risk surgery. But it is in the uh, middle of a campaign of her campaign. So she's running again. And it is it's also a big issue in Argentina because her health has always been an issue. First of all, she took over as president of Argentina after her husband, President Nestor Kirchner, died of a heart attack. And then she's had all these strange health problems, not strange health problems, but she's had a series of health problems that have required hospitalization for low blood pressure and um, and some thyroid conditions. So now she's in the hospital and the whole country is just, you know, watching and waiting to see that that she'll be OK. So and I, I did want to mention just very briefly, because I think one of the most the other most tragic stories of the week has happened off the coast of Italy. And that is that they have now recovered over two, they've recovered 274 bodies uh, of these were immigrants that were trying to um, immigrate from, you know, illegally from Eritrea out in the African Peninsula. Oh, I didn't, I hadn't heard this story. This is a shipwreck. It was a shipwreck, Leon. Oh. These smuggled. But the other thing that's really, it's, you know, it's just so terrible. But most of the people, most of the 270 bodies were women. Oh. So women trying to get out of Africa, trying to find a better life. 
They were being smuggled in the ship. They were, they sank, you know, in sight of land. They ran, you know, they just, the ship sank. All these people have died. And now they have a rescue mission going on to retrieve the bodies. And it's, oh, and it's very sad that they have, you know, they have all these Italian divers in there trying to recover the bodies and then to identify them. But it is, this is one of Italy, Greece, these are big gateways for people from Africa to make their way to Europe to find a better life and to find a, find a better job. So um, it's a tragic story there. Um, but finally, Leon, I want to end on a slightly happier note, which is the country of Sweden. Um, and I know I want to talk to you about one of your favorite stores, certainly one of my favorite stores, and that is IKEA. Oh, excellent. I, Business Week had a fantastic article about how how IKEA comes up with the names for their seven thousand items, uh, and I didn't know that you really. I mean, you can see that, that like means, the Norsk and the Ardsvards, yes, and, yes, and well, the Guggenlagen. Well, you yes. just went, we, at the end of this, we have a little IKEA quiz, Julian. <laughs> okay, so hold on. Okay. here's the backstory: the founder of IKEA. Um, is dyslexic. And so he knew that he, you know, he was going to have this giant big box store with 7,000 items. And he kept confusing, you know, obviously confusing letters. So he wanted a system, an easy system, so he would be able to remember how, you know, how things are named. So for example, did you know that all dining tables at Ikea are named for places in Northern Sweden? No, <laughs> I did not yeah. know that. The rugs, all the rugs in Ikea, they're Danish names. Bookcases at Ikea, they're named after specific professions. Now, of course, they're all in Sweden, but Swedish professions. Curtain rods, they're all mathematical terms. And how about this? Desk chairs, they have men's names. Oh, that's a fantastic system. I could say as a writer, naming people, characters, is very hard. So I, I can understand, like, naming products is even harder because there are so many more of them fantastic system julie good insight okay. all right but okay so liam but there are you can go on the web i found one at mentalfloss.com this is an ikea quiz okay whether or not you can identify in this case i'm going to give you three words and you have to tell me whether they are an ikea product or cheese <laughs> okay Okay, so here's your first word, Leanne. Oh, two of my favorite things. Okay, okay. I know. I know. I took, I'll just see how you do on these three items, and we'll extrapolate your total score and we'll compare it against mine. Okay. Okay, so the first word is goulange, and that's G-U-L-L-U-N-G-E, goulange. I'm going to say product. Okay, Leanne, correct, correct. You're right off. Okay, second word, burkas, B-E-R-G-C-A-S-E. I'm also going to say product. Oh, cheese. <laughs> you got that wrong. Okay. okay here's the big toss up. Because right now you've only got about Die-breaker. 50% land. So this can either send you, send you into a positive number or, or, or you'll be in the failing category. Okay. So take your time with this third one, Leon. Okay. I hope it's Gouda. <laughs> <laughs> no, your word is smacka. S-M-A-K-A. Smacka. I feel like I've seen, I feel like I've bought a smacka <laughs> at Ikea. So I am going to go with product. It is a product. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Indeed. You did. You did very well, Leanne. You did very well. And if you want to take the full test, you can go to mentalfloss.com and you can test whether or not, you know, you're, you know, you can beat out the Ikea versus cheese. So. <laughs> Okay, the International News Roundup by request. There you go, people. You wanted it. Julie is back with it on Tuesdays, as it always was. Thank you, Julie. It's my pleasure. Lots of fun. Good. Now I'm now I feel totally up to date on things. You know, I have a small international related story I wanted to talk about making the rounds this week because she has a new book out is the young 16 year old Pakistani girl, Malala, who, uh, you know, 
Honestly, Diane Sawyer called in her report last night the bravest little girl in the world. I believe she is. Yeah. She was. Uh, she has been an advocate for educating girls in Pakistan against the Taliban since she was 11 years old. She has taken a public stand. Last year, you recall, uh, she was on her way home from school when uh, an armed gunman from the Taliban got on the bus and shot her at Point Blank Range. There's a brave soul, right? There's a guy shooting a, a 15-year-old girl. Uh, she. It was a miracle that she recovered, according to the reports last night on, uh, on World News Tonight. Um, there happened to be a British surgeon in the area in Pakistan uh, that was able to sort of get her stabilized before she moved to England for further treatment. And just last week, she spoke at the UN General Assembly, a riveting speech, if you've seen any of it, about the importance of educating girls all over the world. So this is now her mission, and her book is called I Am Malala. And honest to God, doesn't she make you feel terrible about yourself, Julie? <laughs> I think she's supposed to inspire us. I know, but I, I'm like, what? She is so brave and so, I mean, it does make you think she was sent here for this mission because, like, this is not normal teenage behavior. I know because I have normal teenagers <laughs> and well, I'm I just think, stunned by her bravery and her, her how self-possessed she is. Yeah, I think it's the quality of bravery, Leanne, more than anything. You know, yes, uh, there are a lot of young, articulate, you know, people out there in the world speaking up for causes but it's just, you know, the ability to really stand up for what you believe at, you know, you know, at all costs. At all costs, like at literally. All, yes. So, um, so yes, I think it's great. And I think she has found her mission and, you know, and what a hard mission to, you know, to, to fight against the Taliban, to fight against people who want to keep women down. Um, it's, you know, and who want to terrorize women. So hats off to her. Yeah, her family, they're living in England now because it really wasn't safe for them to return to Pakistan. But I'm sure she still receives threats every single day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she is out on this book tour. So I did take the opportunity. I mean, she's an inspiration, but it's also an opportunity to guilt trip my own teenage sons. <laughs> so I made him. I was like, I want you to come watch this interview with this young girl from Pakistan. She is your age. And look what she did to, like, get to school and do her homework. And why are you whining and complaining about your homework? <laughs> I want you to get in there and do your Latin homework like you are Malala. Okay? Just... So that, can I ask how that worked as a parenting? Technique? Yeah, it's good, Julie. I think I think long term, I'm going to see some effects. The immediate reaction was uh, eye rolling, but uh, I think long term, I think I think the Malala message, I am Malala, is going to really improve his Latin grades. That's all I can say. Okay, well, let's hope for that. Hey, Leon, it is Tuesday, and I have a pick and a pan oh. for the week. Okay, so. Here's my pick. We're going to switch subjects a little, but here's my pick for the week. I was shop grocery shopping uh, last week, uh, and there, right at the checkout counter, was Domino Magazine. Do you remember Domino Magazine? I thought it was gone. Well, Leon, here's here's the thing. Four years ago, it closed down during the recession. Okay, right. and Domino Magazine was uh, it's was a, it was a design magazine, but it was also it, you know, had had great affordable stuff It you could, you know, it was very approachable as a magazine. And it was you like know, the Pottery Barn catalog was a magazine, you know, combine like Ikea, Pottery Barn and Crate and Barrel and pretend it's a magazine. Right. So that's exactly what, what it was. And it was really sad that it went out of business. Yes. That, but that but they have decided to bring it back. So yeah. it's as a, a magazine. And also it's back as a website, domino.com. And this is part of their new business plan, that everything in the magazine is also on their website. So oh. that if you see a picture, you can buy that. Or if you see a basket or something. And that's the thing about this. This magazine has a lot of DIY projects in it. It's affordable. You know, it's not like other design magazines where you look at a beautiful room and then you're like, oh, well, that's nice. Too bad I don't have $100,000. You know. For that Louis Quatre's table. Yeah. So I just want to recommend it that Domino Magazine is back and or you can go to domino.com and look at, at look at the same great design ideas and everything's very fresh and modern and uh, 
I just thought you should know about that. Okay, Jill, good call. Okay, that's my now that's my pick. Now my pan for this week is the diet book called <laughs> The Plan. Okay. Because Leanne, as you know, when you were in my house, this was something that I had taken up with my husband. We decided to do a three-day cleanse as recommended by Lynn Janae Racidas's book called The Plan. Yeah. And in her her book, her whole theory is that you eliminate the surprisingly healthy foods that are making you fat and you lose weight fast. So my husband and I started on this, and I have to tell you, Leanne, by day three, number one, we had turned on each other. (laughs) Day three of this fast cleanse, you get like a handful of almonds in the afternoon. And my husband said, you're eating too many almonds to me. So so that was bad. We were so hangry, and we we just, the idea of like, you know, deprivation, it's just self-deprivation is not our strong suit. We're, we're, we're bad together. Like if my husband says, how about a hot fudge Sunday? I'm in, I'm in, I'm in for that. You know? So, so this, we turned, then we turned on the dog, Leon. Oh no. How could you turn on Zorro? He's so unflappable. I know, but Leon, here's the thing. So Sunday night, you finally get some protein. Okay. Four ounces of protein, two to four ounces for a woman and four to six ounces for a man. And I, so it's some like sad little piece of chicken without any salt on it or whatever. But I gave like a little smidgen to poor Zorro, Zorro because he's, there's been no scraps in the house for days. Right. So my husband started screaming at me. He's like, don't give that chicken to the dog. That's for us. I mean, he was so hangry. I, I didn't know what to do, but, the, but mainly we have turned on the author of this book because what Lynn Janae Recitas, I believe that first of all, you are the worst cook. You have the worst recipes ever. I mean, there's one, you're supposed to like, the second day you're supposed to like live on this vegetable soup. I mean, vegetable soup, how bad can it be? Right. It was, it was revolting. Really? It was so, yeah, because she made it with like a coconut milk base. Oh, I, I hate, I hate milks from anything but ooh, cows. Yeah, ooh. I don't really trust Week it was yeah. terrible. So the worst recipes I cannot recommend. I mean, and then we we went deeper because again because we were so hungry and we had right. nothing else to do. We really realized that Lynchine hates food. Yeah. This oh. is this you know this is not like going on Weight Watchers, yeah. which I you know the people on Weight Watchers they love food. They That's love why food. They, That's why they're at Weight Watchers. Yeah, <laughs> they got themselves in trouble. Linjane Resides, I believe, is a woman who does who has a bad relationship with food. You know, she just, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't enjoy it, and so she makes these horrible meals, and uh, and it's just, it's bad. And she's probably really skinny, but at what cost, Julie? At uh, what cost? I, it's it's so that is my pan for this week. Do not buy this book. Do not go on the plan. No matter what your situation is with inflammation, I say go to Weight Watchers. They're very nice there. They have delicious recipes, and you're going to lose weight. Okay, yeah. Weight Watchers is all about how can I get more food for less points. It's yeah. not about how can I eat less food. It's how can I eat disgusting things like uh, because it's not bad. It's bad enough eating kale for dinner. So then I have to, you know, oh, I don't know. So well, Julie, what's incredible is you you barely have any food at your house anyway. Like, you and your husband eat a very nutritious diet. I know he travels a lot, so that wreaks havoc with yeah. his diet. But in general, at your house, it's a it's a really a limited treat situation there. It's slim pickings. Yeah. yeah. Slim, nope. That's another way of putting it. Uh, so um, I was worried that you were just, you were, I called you Monday morning, like, are you still alive? Because there's, like, no food in your house at any, <laughs> anyway. Um, but you know, it did get me thinking cause you were talking about the plan, you were preparing for the fast and I was there and I have been, as I said, six months of, uh, appearances and on the road and, and eat a, zaps, potato chips, eating right? zaps, potato chips or whatever it might be out of my normal routine. And so I have put on like 10 pounds this year. Now, given the fact that, um, we lost both our parents, I was in the hospital with a staph infection. I finished up a book. I was on a book tour. There was a, there are a lot of reasons why that might be like, and as I said to you, I feel it's a miracle. I only gained 10 like to me, (laughs) 
<laughs> to me, that that is good work uh, because there might have been other times in my life when I gained 50. So that I only am up 10, I'll, I'm good with that. But as I said, now I'm back. You know, I have a much more relaxed schedule. And I was looking forward to sort of taking care of myself. And I pinpointed, I, at the risk of sounding like Sheila with like wacky theories, kind of pinpointed when I started to not feel good. And it was when I was in the hospital with that staph infection. And I had those massive doses of antibiotics. And uh, after I left, you know, for the two, I I was just shocked how shot I was after that. Like for two weeks, I had no energy. I could barely get up off the couch, but I had to really spring into action because my book came out like the third week after um, the hospitalization. So I, I just you know, force myself to do a lot of things, but I haven't really felt right since then. So I started to do some medical research. Uh, Monica would be proud of me. I started to look up some literature and there's actually a big connection. There is a connection, not big, but some documented connection between long-term or massive antibiotics and weight gain. And so at least I felt better and justified. You know what I mean? (laughs) Okay. Like, it had nothing to do with the roast beef pork boy, yeah. the Zaps potato chips. Okay. Right. Good. Okay, good. It wasn't the ice cream in the middle of the day. No. no. I mean, I knew lifestyle was part of it, but that's the easy part. You know, I just, it was hard to pinpoint. I just haven't felt well. Yeah. And so, um, so the answer, of course, is probiotics. And this is where I start to sound like Sheila because my right. friends had said like, oh, are you taking probiotics after the antibiotics? Because antibiotics eat up the good gut flora, which makes sense. So you have to replace it. So the antibiotics just wreaked havoc with me. And I knew that because it was bad the two or three weeks after I got out of the hospital. And I sort of half-heartedly took some probiotics and ate some yogurt. um, But I didn't really, I wasn't mindful of it. And then once I started traveling, I was done. I didn't do anything. So now I'm on uh, the probiotic regimen. So... Yeah, that is good. And and I'm glad, again, I'm glad I have literature to back it up, science actually to back it up. And I try not to go crazy with it. So I'm back to eating a healthy diet, exercising every day and on the probiotics, which does include like drinking a green drink, you know, which I, (laughs) I'm suspicious of, but here's, here's the best part. You know, what is loaded with probiotics? Okay. Fermented vegetables, Jewel. (laughs) Your kimchi, your sauerkraut. Oh, wow. (laughs) But it has to be homemade. Okay. So it can't be like the vinegar base. So I actually love sauerkraut. I do too. Yeah. And uh, pickles are good if they're not not pickled in vinegar. So now I'm going to start doing some home fermenting, Julie. I'm very excited. (laughs) (laughs) Good, Leanne. But I have to say, I feel better just thinking that that's a solution. So even if it's a total placebo, like so far, so good this week. It helps that my husband's out of town and I don't have to cook dinner and I don't have to worry uh, that I'm eating fermented vegetables at night. So uh, that all helps. But Leanne, here's the way I think about it. I think all of these wacky diets or or good diets or whatever, they're all just doors, you know, and sometimes you just got to get through that door to get yourself back on track to back to, you know, living a healthy lifestyle. So if you went through the wacky probiotic door, fine. Okay. And now you're now you but you know what to do. You know? I know what to do. You're absolutely right. I know what to do. So that's it. Julie, you're just a metaphor machine today. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, speaking of metaphors, I know you wanted to mention your new column, Leah. Yes, I do have a new column. I'm very excited to be back in the magazine business. I'm writing for Pasadena Magazine. Uh, It's a really nice bi-monthly publication that comes out here, and I'm really having a lot of fun being in print again. I love working with a good editor, and I have one at Pasadena Magazine. The column itself is called Very Pasadena. Isn't that a cute name? And uh, I thought of it. And uh, (laughs) that's my job. Um, so, uh, but the first one's out this month. I'll put a link on the website. They post it in online as well as in the actual magazine. So love being back in the magazine business. Just a little bit different than being in the online, the dot-com business in, in terms of writing for just for a website as, as opposed to writing for an actual magazine. And happy that it's here in Pasadena. And as a result, Julie, I was invited to the Innovation Summit 
here in Pasadena this week. I will be the summiteer in the family, and it's interesting. It's uh, it's a joint production between Pasadena Magazine and Caltech. So Woo. it's very focused on technology of the future. And so some of the speakers I won't understand. And I just want you to <laughs> I just want to be very clear about that. Do not expect a full report because I won't understand it. But I know you went to see Gravity and you loved it. And mm-hmm. we're talking to the founder of SpaceX. He's going to be at the Innovation Summit. So. Well- Leanne, good. You, you should go see the movie before the summit. I'm thinking I might, or at the else that may look me make me look like an idiot with real space people. But I'm thinking that I should at least go see the movie. And then the other fun thing they're doing is throughout the day, you can hear live pitches. There are like six tech companies that are looking for funding. And so they're going to pitch their ideas on stage to the people in the audience. And then we get to vote on who gets funded. You just put up that $5 bill, Leanne. <laughs> Where is Napoleon? <laughs> no. I'll be busy. Uh, but you know what? One more thing I wanted to mention um, are the podcast awards. Now, this was unbelievably a spontaneous movement by one of our listeners on the Facebook page to have Satellite Sisters nominated for a podcast award. Uh, it's not a Gracie Award. It's a new, a new award for the field of podcasting. It's about five years old, but it would be great to win. So I will put a link at SatelliteSisters.com. We're in the nominating phase now. So as many nominations as we get, that's actually part of the nominating phase. The more you get, they're looking for engagement of listeners. Uh, The more likelihood it is we'll get nominated. And we'd like to be nominated in the people's choice category. Because, I thought that was a good selection. Yeah, you know, we're the people's choice. Uh, we don't easily fit into a lot of categories, and the comedy category is just cr- very crowded with male comedians. So we've got no shot to win that, basically. Uh, but the People's Choice Award would be great. And here's the freaky thing. I am going to be at that uh, conference I was asked to speak on a podcast panel two weeks ago, Women in Podcasting. So... If we win, I will be there to accept the award in Las Vegas, January 5th. Leah, that's so exciting. Don't you think that? And I was I was sort of like vaguely aware that they did awards, but it was one of our listeners, I think it was Carrie, that posted yeah. on the Facebook page. So, Carrie, thank you. And uh, I have filled out the paperwork as the producer of the show, but I'll be there. So any vote would be helpful. I know a lot of people have already. You can only do it once. Uh, in the nominating phase, and that's great, people's choice. But if you haven't had a chance yet, I'm going to put the link on our on our website. I know people still aren't on board with Facebook, and I respect that. So on our website, you can vote from there. Okay? Sounds good, Leanne. All right, Julie, that was a full show. We certainly did. We had a lot to cover. Covering the world. <laughs> um, what do you got going on this week? Just eating, basically? Is that your plan? <laughs> just I'm grocery shopping. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> replenish, put some food in there. Yeah. So we're get some Zaps potato chips. That it's worth every calorie. If it's your That's last meal, you'll be happy. That's a door. That would be another door to go through. <laughs> okay. Two. I know you have a busy week, but just relax now that you're home. Enjoy, enjoy that. Okay. I am. I am enjoying it. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for supporting the Satellite Sisters. We'll be back over the weekend, and don't forget. Call your satellite sister.